Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Rush into Old Navy today for up to 50% off store-wide. Get dresses from $15 for women, $12 for girls, plus up to 75% off clearance for the whole family right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1016 to 1020, select styles only. You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Cavaliers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Cavaliers. As always, I'm Chris Manning, your host from Fear the Sword and the Step Back. Today, uh, we're going to talk about the Cavs' playoff rotation, and we have a, a first-time guest on the show. He's the lead Cavs writer at Bleach Report. It's Greg Schwartz. Greg, how's it going? Oh, it's going good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Um, so, obviously, we're going to hit on the, the most recent news. I talked about this yesterday with Carter Rodriguez, but... Andrew Bogut obviously breaks his tibia. Um, I don't know how big of a piece he was going to be in the rotation, but um, he he was there at least. I mean, I, were you, I was not there. Were you at the arena when this happened? No, thankfully, no. We uh, <laughs> I I had this week off. We had our our second child was just born, so I took the week off and then uh, got on. Was watching the game on TV and then uh, stepped away for a second. Saw everybody's Twitter reaction to it and thought, "You got to be kidding me!" <laughs> Fifty eight seconds in and. His Cavs career is uh, basically over. Yeah. Uh, congratulations on the job. That's much more important than, than going to a random Cavs heat game, even if it is the, the Dan Waiters homecoming game. Uh, <laughs> so, Bogut, I don't think, again, I don't think this was going to be a guy that was going to maybe play 20 minutes in the playoffs, but I think against certain teams he would have had some use. Um, I, I don't think this changes my opinion of them in a broader sense, but where do you, where do you, where do you, how do you think this impacts the team? No, I think the main purpose of Bogut was just you needed some sort of insurance behind Tristan Thompson. Now, it's it's kind of funny to say that because Tristan Thompson, knock on wood, is the most durable player in the entire NBA, but, you know, God forbid if something happens to him or um, he's out for an extended period of time, you have no defensive big man behind him, and I think that's a huge concern if you look at, especially now with Kevin Love out, uh, you're pretty thin up front. Uh, you don't want to play Channing Fry 30 minutes a game. So Andrew Bogut was your your insurance policy for Tristan Thompson. Maybe you don't need one. Hopefully you don't need one. But it was nice to have one just in case something happened to him. So I think at this point you're kind of looking for the same thing. Um, like you said, Andrew Bogut wasn't going to play 20 minutes a night. You were maybe going to see him 10 to 15, especially now with Kevin Love out in the finals. We probably wouldn't have even seen him at all. So it's not like it's a huge loss for him by any means, but ownership's probably not real happy because you just paid him $400,000 to play uh, less than a minute, plus you got to pay the luxury taxes on that, uh, assuming they waste him too. So uh, definitely not a cheap minute of basketball for the Cavs. Yeah, absolutely. I think 
uh, it's a bummer and i think that i do expect them to do something that's kind of my understanding of it is that they are going to probably cut some cut bug it obviously um that which sucks for him because he, he just moved here he had the visa issue because his job changed like that that's a very that's a tough situation for anybody to go through um out of the names that are that are out there i mean there's a lot of guys sort of out there that both good and bad um i wrote about this at fear the sword there's a couple guys to me that stand out who stands out to you well, I think the most intriguing name is Larry Sanders because yeah, he was a pretty good player three years ago, and obviously he's been working out for teams and he's tried out for teams. I don't know what the exact number is. I know he's worked out for the Celtics among other contenders. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had us worked out in Cleveland. I think they described it as you know the Cavaliers were just doing their due diligence on him. Uh, obviously, they didn't sign him because their main goal all along was the Andrew Bogut, and that's what they did. But now you have to look at Plan B. It, you know, I. We weren't there at that workout. We don't know how Larry Sanders looks. And, you know, to be honest, seeing him in a workout is very different than seeing him in an NBA game. Uh, the, the the good part of that is, like, you, you know, you said with Bogut, he's the guy that he's not going to play a big role no matter what. So he's just kind of your insurance policy. So Larry Sanders is the most intriguing name, especially if you can – get him with a team option for next year or some sort of extended contract at a low price, I think he'd be a fantastic backup center moving forward. Um, other names out there, we saw Jared Selinger get released from the Toronto Raptors after they traded for Serge Ibaka. I mean, Selinger's a guy, he's an Ohio native, but if you're looking for that defensive big man behind Tristan Thompson, uh, Jared Selinger doesn't play defense. So I think he's kind of just one of those warm bodies that you put in there while Kevin Love works his way back. You know, you, you got other names out there like Mike Scott, former Atlanta Hawk. He's more of a defensive big, but how much is he going to give you at this point? There's not a lot of great options out there. So it's going to be – I think they're going to fill it eventually with one of those names. Um, it kind of depends how good did Larry Sanders look in that workout and what kind of contract can you work out with him, you know, not for this season, but maybe in, in next season and, and maybe even a year after that. Yeah, I I'm kind of with you on that. I do like the idea of Sanders in in a vacuum. I think if if the Cavs believe in him, then that would certainly uh, be something that would certainly help them. Um, I think I do like the idea of Sullinger to an extent. I do. I mean, he can at least rebound, right? Like this is a guy that is is bad, much as he isn't has never really been in good shape. This is a guy who can rebound. He can shoot a little bit. Um, I I think there are other like Averijao has obviously been talked about, and I'm not really up for that. I don't think that makes any sense at all because we know where he's at right now i think eric moreland would make some sense if the other options are going to go just because he's been with the team and i, I subscribe to the uh derek the derek williams theory as i'm going to call it now that if you've played in the nba recently you can be turned into something more useful than uh than than maybe larry sanders who hasn't played in the nba since Le- lebron's first year back in cleveland so i think there's something to consider there but i also again don't think anyone they sign is actually going to move the needle for me when it comes to me evaluating them as a, as a title contender. No, absolutely not. Especially, you know, especially the Darren Williams signing. That's a guy that, again, once we get to the finals, may or may not even play. But you look at March, you know, they, they got such a bad schedule in March where you play 12 or 17 games on the road. You got a couple more back-to-backs you have to play. You know LeBron's minutes are up there around 37, 38 minutes a game. You want to get these guys rest, which is why, you know, a big part of you bringing in these Darren Williams and Derek Williams and, you know, Andrew Bogut, what you wanted him to be was uh, 
you know, not necessarily to play big minutes in the playoffs, but just to preserve the guys that are going to play big minutes in the playoffs. And, you know, certainly Darren Williams is going to do that for you. Derek Williams is going to do that for you. Bogut can't do that for you right now. We're still waiting on Kevin Love to get back. Um, so big men is an issue. But anybody they sign is not going to be a difference maker in the finals. So it's not a huge concern. It sucks what happened to Bogut, but anybody they sign, it's, it's it's not going to make a big difference either way at this point. Yeah, 100% with you on that. Um, So looking at the playoff rotation as a whole, this is sort of, I think, one of the more fascinating things with the Cavs the rest of the year because I, I think there are a couple different scenarios that that could play out. I mean, they could lean on Shumper more than I think we might think they would want to. Uh, they have to think about how J.R. Smith and Kevin Love are going to look after they come back from their respective injuries. But the first thing they have to do, obviously, is they have to gear for the playoffs. We're about a month out now. We're, it's March 7th as we record this. This podcast goes up on March 8th. The Cavs have functionally a little bit more than a month to get ready. Um, the the big thing I think that most of us are thinking about when we look at this is how are they going to wrest LeBron and Kyrie? I think we saw how they might do it with the wrestling LeBron and Kyrie on Saturday in Miami. Um, and they're also going to have to work back the injured guys and get and get the synergy back there. Let's start, let's start with that first thing, Greg. LeBron James obviously has played an, an incredible number of minutes this year. He's near the top of the league in, in minutes per game. Uh, are you, would you, when, when would you start dialing him back if you would dial him back minutes-wise? Ty Lue's been promising he's going to dial him back all year. Yeah, and then yeah, when and then he, he called out it, on yeah. it, yeah, he comes out and says, oh, he's got half a minute to play with, meaning that, uh, LeBron's trainer, Mike Mancia, said he was cleared to play between 36 and 38 minutes a game. Now, obviously, you don't want LeBron James at 38 minutes a game, uh, especially you look at a team like Golden State. Nobody out there plays more than 34 minutes a game. It's remarkable. Kevin, or Kevin Durant is at 33 minutes a game. Steph Curry is at 33 minutes a game. You'd love to be able to have that luxury with LeBron because those other guys haven't played in the last six NBA Finals. Mm-hmm. So especially, you know, not to get away from your question, but you look at these names that LeBron is passing in like all time minutes, like the Larry Birds and the Magic Johnsons guys we look at as, you know, absolute legends of the game, and he's already got more total career minutes than these guys, and he's thirty two. Mm-hmm. So ideally you'd like to keep him around for another five, six years. You know after his two year contract, you know, is up now, he's gonna sign that one last five year, two hundred million plus uh dollar deal you got to think long term with him he's not a tim duncan who's going to take these pay cuts at the end of his career he's going to max the Cavs out for all he's worth and you know i'm not saying he shouldn't do that that's the smart business approach to be sure but he's an investment for you and i i got so mad watching these january games where they would lose to the pelicans or the kings and he's playing 40, 41, 42 minutes a game. It doesn't matter if they go 7-8 and eight in January. We all know that. But when LeBron's playing that many minutes, that's like the big part that I had an issue with. Mm-hmm. And he should be nowhere near the top of the NBA minutes play. I, th- I think he and Kyle Lowry have been kind of dancing back and forth between 1 and 2. Um, looking ahead to their schedule, uh, March is fairly spread out, which is good. I believe they got one, two, three. They have five more sets of back-to-backs between now and the end of the regular season. They have 20 games left. LeBron typically doesn't sit out home games for rest. 
Um, I don't know if that's just playing to the hometown fans, but typically the games he rests are on the road. I think the only home game he missed was against Chicago two weeks ago when he had an illness um, or a hangover. I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then, so they have all their back-to-backs are, it's either a road game, like a, a road game, road game, where he's got the back-to-back where he could rest in either one or both of those. And the other ones are a road game first followed by a home game. So I'm curious, are they not going to send him on that road game and then play the home half of that? I don't know. It'll be interesting because I don't – at this point, why would you play him in a back-to-back? There's no reason to do that. Um, March, I think, is where you try to get him his rest because if you look at April, uh, if you're kind of fighting for a one seed and you want that one seed and it's close, you got Boston and Toronto – in the last week of the regular season sprinkled in with some Atlanta games. So if you want to get him rest and you want to get Kyrie some rest and dial him back, I think March is the time to do it because you got some other big games coming up in April. Yeah, I'm with you. And then, and I think too, the, the, what we, how they rest LeBron will be very interesting to see just because I, it'll kind of tell us how much they value that one seed uh, as an outside person kind of covering the team i don't think it's that big of a deal but i mean where do you think it matters if they're the one seed i mean do you think they should actually push to finish ahead of boston finish ahead of washington no i i don't and that was a that was a big issue last year because they finished one game ahead of the toronto raptors for the one seed and tyloo for i think months like january well he took over in january but january february march you know, he kept talking about getting the one seed, getting the one seed. I thought that's so stupid. Like, is he just play? Like, is he just playing to us right now? Because what's the point of getting a one seed if you're playing LeBron 40 minutes a night and Kyrie's playing 38 minutes a night? What's the point? You know, as long as you get one of those top four seeds, you get your home court advantage. You know, you can win on the road in the playoffs. I mean, two years ago you swept Atlanta in the conference finals and they were the one seed. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what your seed is. Yeah, it looks better if you're. Uh, the one seed, but you know, a lot of people forget. Even when LeBron was in Miami for four years, I think they got the two seed at least twice because Chicago was getting the one seed a lot of those years when when Rose was winning MVP. Um, they weren't even the one seed. Uh, I think half of that four years, and they still went to the finals every single year, won it twice. So I think seeding's a little bit overrated, especially when you have LeBron on your team. Uh, definitely, the most important thing is to have a, a healthy rest the team going into the playoffs it doesn't matter what seed you have yeah like i think uh i think what we're talking about here is like the the when he was playing the pacer i believe the pacers might have had the one seed one year uh yeah the, yeah, the pacers were good i know the bulls were good um yeah miami didn't get the one seed every single year but they still made the finals every year so exactly and um yeah i don't think it matters one but i think that like, even if they're in boston in a game seven i'm picking the Cavs to, to get out of that series pretty pretty easily there i mean it's going to be tough <laughs> Like, it's going to be a hard-fought game because Boston is better uh, and they're a solid team, but I don't think it's particularly close once it, once it gets down to the nitty-gritty. Um, but Kyrie Irving is the other guy here because he is playing a lot. He has the injury history, and he's so vital to this team, what he does as a creator, what he does as a ball handler, um, how much they're going to – I mean, they're just going to need him. They're going to need him at his best to win the finals. You and But he is younger. This isn't This isn't like he's a guy that has LeBron's miles on him. Um how do how do the Cavs dial him back? Cause, and I think Darren Williams could really help with this, and I think Kay Felder could help with this too. Well, that's the key right there is Darren Williams. You, I mean, they tried to dial him back 
earlier in the season with Kay Felder. They were forcing Kay Felder in the minutes. He was pretty awful. Uh, I know he's balling it up with Canton Charge right now, averaging like 30 points a game, won the D-League Player of the Week. But clearly, Kay Felder was not going to earn minutes from from Kyrie Irving. And I, I like Kay. I've talked to him. I think he's a, he's a real nice guy. But this isn't his year. This yeah, isn't his he, year to contribute he, to the Cavaliers. Yeah, he to me, he like when I watch him in Canton, um, you see a guy who I think clearly has the athleticism to be an NBA player. You see a guy who has the, the I think the, the the upside to be an NBA point guard, but I think you're seeing him in this weird spot where he's too good for the to to be like a D league just a D league guy like he just dominates those games. Um, he's a performer of the week last week, but then he struggles when he gets up to NBA game speed because I I think it's when he's reading things and he's reading defenses and he's just going against a higher level of athlete in the paint. I think that's where he struggles, and I think too, um, it's probably easier for him to sort of be able to do a lot of what he wants in Canton versus being a off-ball player in, in in a lot of ways when he's playing in Cleveland and he's playing next to LeBron. Like, you just can't simulate LeBron James in the Canton charge. Like, no offense to, like, Jonathan Holmes no. and Eric Moreland and when he's played with Quinn Cook, but, like, they're not, they're not LeBron James. No, I mean, it's a completely different... It's a completely different game when you're the man... In the D League, we've seen you know Jordan McRae score 50, 60 points a game down there, and then he comes up here and uh, he looks lost when you're asking him to play off the ball. You know what I mean? When he's mm-hmm. when he has to be that role player, when you go from D man to the role player, I think that's such a such a tough transition. But you know, like you said, going back to Kyrie Irving in minutes back, well, I feel completely safe with Darren Williams eating up some minutes in, in March. That's completely okay in my part. Uh, he's averaging about five assists a game with them already. They needed somebody in the in the second unit who was going to move the ball. Uh, ball movement has definitely been an issue for him. You look at teams like Golden State that are so good in that, and you, you'd, you'd obviously like to see that from Cleveland too. You know, I'm fine with Darren Williams playing. If he wants, if, if Tyler wants to give Darren Williams 25 to 30 minutes a game, you know, between now and the end of the regular season, get Kyrie's number down to maybe 30, 31 a game. That's great. Preserve him. I know, like you said, he's young. He's going to turn 25 uh, later this month. But he's also, you know, had stints on the Olympic team. Um, uh, He's, you know, he's been playing. It's not like he went to college and had a couple easy years. Like, he came in the NBA at age 19. So he's he's definitely got some wear and tear on his body already. Um, so if you could get him play Darren Williams a little bit more in March, get Kyrie Irving ready for mid-April. Uh, yeah, you gotta, you gotta do that now that you have the opportunity with a good solid veteran point guard behind him. Yeah. hundred percent with you on that. Um, I think the thing with Kyrie too, is you probably have to not, they've done this thing where they've played him with Darren Williams. And I don't know if I love, I love that. Um, I wanted them to play separately, just to, at least in terms of getting them rest. I, I think that's certainly something to um, to be to be kind of looking at there. I, I just don't see the upside of them playing together because I don't think you're going to play them together in the playoffs. No, I don't think you will either. I think you know LeBron will obviously play with everybody. Um, you don't have any problems mix, mixing and matching LeBron with anybody, but uh, especially if you get with a bigger team, like if you're playing Golden State. And you look at your backcourt and like, okay, who's going to guard six foot seven Clay Thompson? Is it going to be six three Darren Williams or six three Kyrie Irving? Like that's not going to work out. So I get that Kyrie he can play off the ball. He's a good shooter. Darren's not a great shooter throughout his career, but he's adequate enough. Uh, and like you said, that's the point of Darren Williams is to 
you know, give Kyrie and, and LeBron a little break from playmaking duties. So, yeah, I, I'm not wild about playing them at the same time, uh, especially if your your concern is to get Kyrie a rest. Um, yeah, I definitely have those guys uh, splitting court. Is that the new iPhone? Yeah, got it on T-Mobile. Fastest iPhone deserves America's fastest LTE network. Introducing the amazing iPhone 8. It's the best iPhone yet, now on America's best unlimited network. For a limited time, save up to $300 on the amazing iPhone 8 after 24 monthly bill credits. And now join T-Mobile's iPhone upgrade program for free. Eligible trade-in and finance agreement required. If you cancel service, you may lose promo credits. Contact us for details. Video at 480p. Small fraction of users over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speed. See store for details. Duties and not sharing them. Yeah. And the other thing that Kaz, that we that they really have to do that I think is is super important is they're going to have to work back in um, injured players. Kevin Love, I think, has a pretty obvious sort of fit. They're just going to kind of get him back to being Kevin Love, and he's going to go back to being the starting power forward. Uh, he's going to have to get used to playing, I think, maybe in some different looks. I think you're, you might make him uh, have to be a little bit more off-ball when he gets back just because of how many more minutes LeBron is probably going to play once the playoffs start, but... I don't know if you would agree with this, but I think Kevin Love, as long as he is healthy, his fit getting back in the team is going to be pretty is going to be pretty easy. Yeah, if this was year one or year two, you definitely wouldn't say that. But now no. in year three, where he's putting up twenty points and eleven rebounds and made the All Star team, yeah, uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. he showed a he showed a completely different, uh, I would say, even aggressiveness and mentality this year, where he's bought into that role and. I don't think that's going to be an issue getting him back. Um, but then, of course, you got Jared Smith. You got to fit in as well. Yeah, can you imagine if this was last year and Kevin Love had, you know, it was going to come back right before the playoffs? I mean, can you imagine just the the stress of that? Yeah, especially with, I mean, clearly they were in talks to trade him last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they had discussions with the Knicks about trading him to New York last year, so. Um, I don't think for a second that he didn't hear stuff like that, and that wasn't in his ear. Now, this year, uh, I don't believe there was any intention to trade him at all. So you're kind of uh, you're kind of ignoring the the trade rumors. You know, you made the All Star team. You know, you're you know you were supposed to be there with your your teammates. Um, I think that's so crucial from a mental aspect to know that uh, not only do I fit in. But I'm having a pretty baller year as well. Mm-hmm. Like I'm putting up not Minnesota numbers, but if you look at it, you know efficiency numbers, and not many guys can put up 20 and 11. How many guys in this league can put up 20 and 11, sharing the court with LeBron James and Kyrie Irving? Exactly. So yeah, yeah exactly. I, I think it's going to be fairly easy to fit Kevin Love back in. Yeah, I agree 100. percent So that brings, but that brings us to the guy that I think is going to have a very interesting fit when he comes back, and that's J.R. Smith. Um, not only are they going to have to get him back to being himself after he, he really, I don't think was the best version of himself prior to, uh, breaking his thumb, but Kyle Korver has been in fuego since he came over and Amon Shumper, the team does, I think, trust in Amon Shumper to a certain degree and, and Jair's going to have to not only get back in game shape, he's not only going to have to get used to running around screens, but I think he's going to have to make sure his shots there. I think he, how, so. How do you work it back? And we don't know exactly when he's coming back yet. He's traveling with the team on the road now, so it seems like it's pretty soon. I think his little altercation in Miami on Saturday is an indication that he's pretty kind of excited to get back. Um, but how, I mean, how do you work J.R. Smith back into into the fold when he when he actually is ready to go? Well, that's the nice thing about J.R. Smith is his role is so simplified now. You know, with Cleveland as opposed to 
his previous stops in his career that, you know, he's he's your catch-and-shoot guy, he's your defender. Um, so I think his role, Kevin Love has a much more complicated role with all the different things that he does. Um, but he's so at peace with that now. I don't think that's going to be an issue. Jared Smith's role is simplified enough um, that I think he'll do all right. Now, that being said, he's not – like you said, you got Kyle Korver now. You've got Amon Shumpert, who's having his best year with the Cavs. Um, you got Derek Williams, who is a very valuable bench piece and a great shooter for you. I think he's second or third on the Cavs in three-point shooting right now. Last year, they needed – J.R. Smith. I was looking at the finals numbers again. J.R. played more minutes than anybody on the Cavs outside of LeBron and Kyrie. More than Tristan, more than Kevin Love, more than Richard Jefferson, Shumpert Fry. He was third in minutes. Like, they needed him to play those 37 minutes a game Mm -hmm. that he played in the finals. Now you don't really need him to, because if J.R.'s shot's not falling you got Kyle Corker you can put in. you got Amon Shumpert who's been better this year. you got Derek Williams you can put in off the bench that you know, can place him on the perimeter. So I think the pressure kind of goes back on JR a little bit. And you know, he's, got his, he's got his contract figured out. He doesn't need to worry about that. He doesn't need to worry about you know, playing, for, playing for money, playing for a new deal this offseason. But all of a sudden you've got options to replace him if he's not – and I'm not saying completely replace him, but I'm saying like – cut his minutes down a little bit. I don't think he would play 37 minutes in the finals again this year. Not with Kyle Korver, not with Amon Shumper, not with uh, Derek Williams. I don't think he'd play that again. So he's important because of his ability as a two-way player. But, I mean, they were fantastic in February without him. Kyle Korver's been hotter since coming to Cleveland than J.R. Smith has ever been in his stretch with, with the Cavs if you're talking outside shooting. So I think the pressure on JR is not really fitting in, but fitting in and performing right away because if he doesn't, I think his minutes are really going to drop. He'll still get that starting job, but um, I, I could see Kyle Korver actually outplaying him in minutes off the bench. So you do think he will start when he comes back? Yeah, I, I, I think he will just because he's a better defender. Yeah, I do. That, that's the thing, yeah. And uh, I, I think that's so valuable, especially when you're sharing the backcourt with Kyrie Irving, who, you know, we all know that times can be a defensive liability. Um, I love Porver. I thought, you know, if they were going to start him, they would have done so already. They would have started him over DeAndre Liggins when they first traded for him. So I think Kyle Korver is a, uh, a staple of the, the second unit now, and JR is going to get his starting job back. Yeah, I think that's the easiest way to bring him back to. You know, like I think it's just easy to get him back – filling the role he was playing before he did break his thumb. I think that's just uh, a simpler way of doing it. I also think the defensive thing is super important because if they play Boston, um, he's probably going to be needed to defend Isaiah Thomas. If they're playing Toronto, he's probably going to need to defend DeRozan unless they want to go with Shumper. Because I think Corver would really, really str- – I think Corver sneakily could really struggle against Toronto just because of the just because of DeRozan when he's at the two and they, they have other guys out there that LeBron – I would have to guard. And I guess you could slide Corver onto like a Norm Powell or something like that. But I think Toronto could hunt Corver a little bit more than other teams could. Yeah, he's. I mean, we, we've seen it on the flip side. We've seen J.R. Smith shut Kyle Corver down in the mm-hmm. playoffs before, mm-hmm. where uh, that was the whole Cavs' defensive game plan was like, "Hey, if we can take Corver out of this and we can take their spacing out, like that affects everything that they do." Um, and I don't have the numbers in front of me of what he put up in in their 
previous playoff matchups, but I mean, Jarrett Smith was fantastic against Kyle Corner before, not so much that he outshot him, but he was so good defensively on him that he can make a difference on that side of the ball that Corver can't make. That uh, being said, Corver's basically the superior shooter. Um, but I think if you're looking long-term and you're looking, okay, we, you know, we're probably going to face Golden State again and some of those other teams you mentioned like Boston and Toronto, they got really good guards, really, really, really good guards. And if you look defensively, you have a backcourt of Kyrie Irving and Kyle Corver against the backcourt of Isaiah Thomas and Avery Bradley or backcourt of Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, those guys are going to go off. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's probably best keep your better defensive player in that starting unit to match up with that. DeRozan needs to come out for a rest. Uh, Isaiah Thomas needs to come out for a rest. Then you slide in corner there and let him guard one of their second unit guys and get his points that way. I think that's the best way to handle it. So where does that leave him on Shepard is the big question here. Uh, Amon Shumpert is, he's, I think he's versatile enough position-wise that he can still get some minutes. Uh, I got his page pulled up here on basketball reference. 76 per t- 76% of the time this year he's played shooting guard. Um, 19% of the time he's been at point guard. Probably not going to get any of those point guard minutes now with Darren Williams. And then he's also played small forward just 5% this year. Last year he was at 20%. Um, especially with the NBA kind of going smaller. Shumpert's a guy who's about six foot five. He can match up with a lot of small forwards in the league. Um, I don't think you're going to match him up. I think if you're playing like Golden State or somebody, he's got to guard somebody in the backcourt. You're not going to match him up with Kevin Durant or, or somebody like that. But I think he's versatile enough to take some minutes here and there. He's definitely behind J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver in the pecking order. And he's had a rough couple of weeks here where he was for a while 40%, 41%, 42% from three. He dropped all the way down to 38% shooting. And that was really the thing that kind of turned his game around was that outside shot. So I think he's good enough, especially you need his defense on the wing. Um, he's not the premier defender that I think we all hoped he would be, but like you said, when you're playing these teams like Toronto and, and Boston and Golden State, presumably you, you might play all three, um, you need those wing defenders. And you need Amon Shumpert out there getting minutes. So if he's playing the one, if he's playing the two, if he's playing the three, he's not going to get you 30 minutes a game. But I think they could find at least 15 minutes a game for him in the playoffs, split in time between three positions. Yeah, I think they need to get him back to not really shooting because every month, if you look at his shooting numbers, he's shooting more every month, and his percentage is sort of going down every month. Like there was a month where it was it was fine and it held steady, but then in February he completely dropped off uh, the flat earth uh, and just was like terrible from three for that month. There, to me, there are like issues because I think teams are gonna sag him. Uh, like sag off him, excuse me, when the playoffs come. I think they're gonna dare. Kyrie and LeBron to to drive the paint. I think they're going to dare try to maybe get Corfer on the floor to attack him defensively. I think there are some things that are going to come from that. But I think right, I think getting Shumpert minutes is probably going to be necessary because I do think as much as I think he's a bit overrated defensively, when he is being active, when his hands are there, he's one. Of, he's a much more impactful defender than Corver. I think Sean, I think J.R. Smith is a better defender than him. But I think if J.R. Smith gets in foul trouble and you need someone to go guard Isaiah Thomas because you don't want Kyrie to burn all his energy chasing him around, you have to kind of go with Shumpert over Corver in that situation, I think. 
Yeah, and that's that's just going to be an offense-defense kind of matchup. Um, Pre-All-Star break, Ramon Schumpert, 40.3% three-pointers. Seven games post-All-Star break, 23% on his three-pointers, 28% from the field. So obviously his shot uh, has significantly decreased since then. Um, he's a guy. I think I think his shot is fixable. Like you said, I, you don't want him shooting uh, a, a lot, especially if you're if he's out there with LeBron and Kyrie and and Korver. But I talked to him earlier this season, and I said, you know, at that point I think it was December, and I said, you know, what's what's going on with your shot? You're over forty percent. Like this is way up from last year. What did you do? And he said he put on a lot of work uh, with his trainer this summer uh, on his release because he was so high strung on his energy. Um, his release on his shot would be different every single time. And so he just worked on finding a consistent release on a shot. And he said a lot of his shots, he would miss right or left. And as a shooter, you know, if you're going to miss, you want to miss a little long or a little short. So at least your accuracy is on there. He said he was missing right to left. So just by correcting those two things, he told me, you know, that was really making the difference in his shot. So to me, I look at those and those would be totally correctable. Um, obviously this time of year, they don't practice a whole lot that would have to be done on his own time. Um, and you don't want him shooting a lot, but again, like you said, if defenders sag off of him, uh, and leave him open, you got to be able to make those shots because then they need to spread that defense back out. They need to respect his shot. And then all of a sudden those driving lanes open back up for Kyrie and LeBron. So, um, I think his shot is fixable from, from what I've talked to him about his shot. Uh, but certainly after the all-star break, it's, it's been pretty abysmal. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. He's, I don't know what it is. I think he's, I mean, he's not really that good of a shooter, but, um, in general, like he's never been a good shooter, but I think he, he was very good and passable really, especially off the ball early in the year. And I don't know exactly what's happened with that. I think some of it is they've had to give him the J.R. Smith role a little bit. Um, which isn't ideal for him, but I, he, they've made it work. They've obviously, they, I mean, they they had the best offensive rating in the league by three or four points in February with him on Shumpert shooting under 30% from three. So yeah. he, like he's, it's not like he's torpedoing them, uh, at least right now. Uh, the other thing about this that's sort of interesting to me is they have these new guys uh, that they've added. They've, they've really, David Griffin has revamped the roster in quite a few ways. Uh, I mean, he, we've, we've, you know, he went from Dunleavy and, Mo Williams' contract and the dead weight to getting Corver to getting Bogut, who obviously broke his tibia, to getting Derek Williams, to getting Deron Williams. Out of the guys that the Cavs have added, who do you think actually is going to play come the playoffs? Well, that's a good question. Are we talking first round or are we talking finals? Well, okay, let's, I you think, know that rotation yeah, is going to get smaller each round. definitely going to get smaller. Cause, uh, let's, let's talk about the, the what actually matters. I think the first round you're going to see more of Derek Williams probably. Uh, you're going to see more of uh, probably Deron Williams. You're probably going to see more of these of other guys. Let's say conference finals and on. Who actually, out of the guys the Cavs have added, is are going to get playing time? Well, if you look at the finals last year, I mean, it was LeBron and Kyrie handling the ball pretty much every possession. Uh, you had Matthew Delvadova, who was a big part of the regular season. He played in the first three rounds. He fell out of the rotation in the finals because you couldn't just trust him with the ball. Mo Williams was sprinkled in a little bit, I think, just to give him a break. So I think if Darren Williams is going to play probably five to ten minutes a game, right now he's averaging 21 minutes in his four games with Cleveland, I think you're going to see maybe five to ten, a little bit of second quarter action, third quarter action, 
give Kyrie and, and LeBron a break, but you're not going to see him in the fourth quarter or probably not even in the first quarter. Um, Derek Williams is the one that's fascinating to me. Yes. Because 100%. we've seen him, they've used him so many different ways. I mean, we saw him guarding Russell Westbrook one game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's guarded up to four different positions in a single game before. And and from talking and... to people at the within the Cavs organization, I 100% believe that they think he can play against the Warriors. I think I... that's the plan. Yeah, which is very interesting because I think he's long. I think he's very active. I don't think he's particularly disciplined. No. <laughs> and, like, that's sort of – like, if you're talking about him defending Golden State, okay, let's say – Let's say there it's the, the that bigger lineup where it's let's say it's LeBron, Corver, Derek Williams, uh, Richard Jefferson, and Channing Fry. Like let's say it's like that lineup against something that Golden State doing. Maybe that's the death lineup. Maybe it's a version of it. Um, I don't know exactly who he best guards because I don't know if you want him defending Draymond. I, I mean, you're obviously not going to have him defend a smaller guard. Um, I, is is the best option for him to defend? Like, is it maybe Clay? Like him just chasing around Clay because he's a about clay size yeah i was i was trying to picture that too it's i think the good thing about him is they switch so much yes on offense and you know they go small and they take out zaza and they put in iguodala and they just switch so much that that's where they 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 just they pass the ball so damn much that they just work for that weakness and they pass up so many good shots for great shots that i think the more versatile defenses that you can get out there, like Eric Williams, and switch, switch, and switch, switch. And okay, now I'm on uh, Steph. Now I'm on Clay. Now I'm on uh, Draymond. If I have to, I think that's where his value is. Where he may not be a great individual defender on any of those guys. And like you said, who do you who do you start him on? I I don't know, but he's so good in switching that if you have him out there with, with LeBron and Tristan Thompson and, you know, even J.R. Smith and Montchumpert guys can switch defensively and, and, and for a guy that's got a little bit of size and athleticism, I think, I think he may have been signed with the Warriors in mind because when they signed him, they still didn't have Darren Williams. They didn't have a point guard, backup point guard. They didn't have a backup center. Those were your two big areas of need. I was kind of scratching my head like, yeah, I, I get it, Derek Williams, former number two pick, still got potential, he's still young. But he didn't, to me, like, he didn't fit any of these, like, big needs. He wasn't a great shooter. Uh, he wasn't thought of as a great defender. And then they start using him, you know, in these big lineups, and then all of a sudden he's guarding Russell Westbrook and, you know, to his credit, not getting torched. Like, that was, you know, he wasn't getting destroyed by him. And you're like, wait a minute, is this the reason that, and so Warriors can really come in. Yeah, hundred percent with you on that. Um, it's going to be interesting because I think he's going to get a chance, and I think it could go really, really well. I think it also could sort of go pretty bad. <laughs> like I, th- I think there's there's definitely like a room for it to go two different ways there. And I, but I do think there's a chance out of the guys that they've added, he might play the most in the finals. And I think Darren Williams are going to get some run. Uh, Corver, I think I'm kind of counting as a different case because I think he's sort of just a permanent rotation piece. Um, but I think out of him, out of the two D wills, at least I think, I think Derek, it might actually play more, which is sort of a weird thing to say. No, I, I'd agree with you. And you look at last year, uh, I'm trying to think of like who a good comparison for him would be. I think it, 
Richard Jefferson, probably in his younger days, was sort of Derek Williams-ish, where you know he's got that six foot seven, six foot eight size. Uh, he could play multiple positions. Uh, Richard Jefferson is still pretty athletic, but he was really good uh, earlier in his career with the Nets athletically. So uh, if he, Richard Jefferson continues to kind of creep up there in age and not shooting the ball well, and I think you could see Derek Williams kind of steal some of those minutes from Jefferson. Jefferson was actually pretty good in the finals last year, especially that game he filled in for Kevin Love when, when Love was out with his concussion. Right. Um, and he doesn't fill up the stat sheet by by any means, but if Jefferson continues to slide a little bit, I could see Derek Williams, like you said, I think he could play potentially more minutes in a finals against Golden State than a Darren Williams or, or Kyle Corver just because of his athleticism and, and defensive versatility. Well, let's think and let's think about this too. Christmas Day, how did the game end? It ended with Richard Jefferson switching on to Kevin Durant, and whether he tripped him or not, uh, he was there to contest the shot. The right. Cavs have set that up so Richard Jefferson was there to switch if LeBron got picked as he did. Derek Williams gives you another guy who can functionally switch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and and that's what the Warriors do. They, they switch and switch and switch, and they – they find the weakest point of your defense. They pass up good shots for great shots, and and they, I mean, they they play incredibly smart basketball. They're incredibly talented, but they play incredibly smart basketball. And if you have the more uh, versatile defenders like that, like Derek Williams out there, and uh, like they had, you know, I'd like to think Derek Williams, at least athletically, is great over Richard Jefferson at this point. So if that's Derek Williams there in that same spot over Richard Jefferson, I would actually feel better about that. And I think for that reason, we could see him in, in the finals for, you know, not bad for a guy who was on a very bad Miami Heat team at the time and asked for his release and signed a bunch of 10-day contracts. Yeah. It's a pretty good gig for him, so I'm happy to see him do that well. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's wrap it up on this note, and thank you again. I mean, we got a ton of your time on this on a Tuesday night and just had a kid. You're just beyond gracious to have your time. Let's look at the – let's just look the rotation. Let's just take a, both take our best guess – at who we think will actually be in the rotation when the season gets real, in whether it's the Eastern Conference Finals, whether that's the Finals. Uh, Greg, I just want to hear your idea of what the rotation might look like. And who's going to well, be in rotation-wise? Yeah, let's let's assume everybody's back. Let's say you know Love's back, Jr's back, everybody's back healthy. Good for them. You got to have the starting five, the same five that won you a championship last year. I think you look at it as who can we not afford to not play? Like who are the people that have to play? Starting five, you got LeBron, you got Kyrie, you got Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson, J.R. Smith. After that, you look at the guys that have to play. I think you have to play Kyle Korver because he's he, his shot has been so good. Um, I think you have to play Amon Shumpert at least a little bit. If you're playing all these teams with with these good def- with these good offensive backcourts, I think you got to play Amon Shumpert there a little bit. Channing Fry will probably play the first few rounds. If you get the Golden State, he will not play. Uh, same in the finals last year. He he's admitted to me personally that he he has a bad matchup against Golden State. You don't have players that uh, you know show that much humility. Like yeah, I, I don't do well against them. Uh, he will come out and admit that he, he hasn't been that good against them. Yeah, Channing Fry is a guy that I think the first couple rounds you'll see him play. He was so good last year in the first round against Detroit and then Atlanta. 
But then when you got to the NBA Finals, uh, he was such a liability defensively when they're switching everything against Golden State. I think that's a guy that's going to fall out of your rotation. So you got seven guys for sure. You got the starting five. I think you got to play Corver. You got to play Mon Schumpert for his defensive abilities. After that, I think you might sprinkle in a little bit of Channing Fry, Richard Jefferson, Derek Williams, Darren Williams. I think you could go 10 deep easy in the first round, maybe in the second round. Once you get to the third round and fourth round, I think you have to cut it down to seven or eight, and then it becomes a matchup game. Do you need offense? Okay, you're going to put in a little bit more Channing Fry or Kyle Corver. Do you need defense? Okay, we're going to put in Derek Williams. Uh, we're going to put in Amon Shumpert a little bit more. So I think there's seven guys, no matter what, you have to play. But this team is so much deeper than it was, you know, even back in October that you could go 10 deep uh, if you had to. Yeah, this is the deepest team LeBron James has had with the Cavaliers, and I don't think it's close. And I think it might be deeper than the teams he had in Miami, except for maybe that the years he had like Mike Miller and those guys. I think when it got to the end, those teams were pretty thin. Uh, the, I think this team, again, is, like you said, is 10, 11 deep, and that, that's pretty like, – I think even in a pinch, you probably could get some minutes out of DeAndre Liggins. I really think that. Yeah, especially if, you know, if, if you're not getting – much production of a month and you need that defensive backcourt player. Uh, you know, you got to test him out already this year against Steph Curry. You played him big minutes on Christmas day. Um, you've got him that warriors experience. So if you had to, yeah, you could sprinkle in some Deandre Liggins for defensive purposes for sure. Yeah. And he, I think three point wise, he's okay. Good enough from the corner where, um, I think he could be at least not a total disaster on the offense. But Greg, thank you so much. As long for, as he doesn't yeah, have to handle the ball. Yeah, as long fine. just he as long as he doesn't dribble. Like you know, the Cavs are kind of giving up on a game um, when he's dribbling the ball up in this like in a, oh, yeah. in a game like in the second <laughs> quarter. You're just like, okay, like we we know what this this means, uh, Tyler. We we get it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we get it. So, Greg, thank you so much for your time, man. We got 45 minutes of your time on the show. Uh, if people aren't already following you on Twitter, where can they do so? Uh, so, my Twitter handle is CavsGregBR. Um, pretty easy to, to find on there. So, if they want to hop along, I don't I don't do any personal stuff. So, don't worry about that. It's all <laughs> basketball. It's all Cavs stuff. Um, so, if they want to do that, uh, feel free. Yes, go give Greg a follow. Um, obviously, we'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow, Trevor Magnani will be on the show to talk about Chetty Osman, everyone's favorite player, uh, talk about Kay Felder's development in the D-League and how the Cavs can uh, use the D-League to their advantage as two-way contracts become a thing and stuff like that. And also, the Cavs do play the Pistons on Thursday after they get a little bit of a break. And maybe by tomorrow, uh, we'll get some Andrew Bogut news. And if the Cavs sign somebody, maybe we'll get that news uh, on before Thursday as well. And now, insurance-minded speeches from GEICO. It's a common expression, don't look a gift horse in the mouth. However, what if the horse's mouth is filled with useful insurance tools? This is the exact case with the GEICO app. Yes, the app is free and therefore a gift horse. However, look inside the app and behold, emergency roadside assistance, digital ID cards, bill pay. Get the GEICO app, look it in the mouth, get amazing services. Thank you. Well, but uh, it's been Chris Manning and for Greg Schwartz, we'll talk to you tomorrow.
Ace's the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.